Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. So, hey, Galen, thanks for coming around and joining us today. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for having me on. And here I am saying coming down like you came to the studio, which you haven't done because we're still in the middle of COVID, um, but you're joining us virtually and that's awesome. Yes, in our own personal little studios. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so I think we should go back um, for our listeners who don't know your company, Bretopia, and have you, um, you know, tell people about your company and, you know, when it started, go back to the beginning. Yeah, so Bretopia is an online retail business. My parents started it, I think it was back in either 06 or 07, when, you know, small online retail stores were starting to pop up. So uh, they started it because of their passion for bread making and, uh, and baking in general. My, my mom focused on the, on the sweet stuff, and, and Eric, uh, my stepfather, focused on the, on the bread and sourdough bread, you know, to be more specific. And so, you know, it was, it's, it's a passion project in the beginning. And, uh, you know, any, and it seems like anytime you have a, a passion project, they, uh, you, you get supported by, you know, people that kind of fall in love with your with your. Uh, your morals and your ethics and your and your business and and so they um, the the it was uh, it's really an um, online uh, uh, content driven website. So what that means is that you know they would make videos and uh, post recipes on uh, how to make sourdough bread, how to keep a sourdough starter. Um, and some, uh, even, you know, uh, interviews with, you know, uh, famous bakers and conversations that they've had uh, over their travels. And so, um, you know, the the way the business actually, you know, was funded was uh, a small in online store that supplies uh, baking tools and equipment um, geared towards the home baker. So, you know, we're not... We're, don't mess with anything commercial, and uh, and uh, so yeah. So basically, the premise was um, give free information, free advice, um, and free recipes, and uh, then go to the store and, and purchase a, a you know a sourdough starter or a, a Danish dough whisk or uh, proofing baskets, and and then go home and try them yourself. And uh, and then early on, it was. Uh, they were they my parents were also doing uh all the customer service so you know they had direct act you know customers had direct access to them and and all the questions that they would have and you know so it was a it was a real uh great mom and pop operation in the in the beginning and uh well, and it must have been quite a, a adventure because back in two thousand and what is it two thousand six two thousand and seven I mean, this was like Amazon and not a lot of other people selling stuff online. No, there was there was um, not a lot, and there was not a lot of personal touch. Mm. So I think what really allowed people to feel like they're part of something, right? And it, because right. it's it, it, you know, I watched Eric, you know, bake bread on the on the on the, 
a video on YouTube and and now I'm talking to him on the phone and or you know, mm. chatting with him about it you know, through email and so I think it was that that personal touch that kind of separated out you know the other then there were some other small um, online retail but you know it was everything was very clunky back then right right yeah and everybody was sort of back in like just trying to figure out how to make the internet work for them mode right so right so yeah so there your parents were they started this this thing and um you're you're in a small town right we are we're in uh, fairfield iowa which is uh southeast iowa uh, I don't know. It fluctuates daily, but I mean, I think we're around 12,000, you know, mm-hmm. um, we've been 12,000 residents for seems like, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but it, you know, they, it's a small town, uh, in the Midwest and, um, you know, it, it allows, well, what was great is it kind of, it allows, um, uh, the, the business to, you know, be small. You're, you're kind of isolated, but it gets, you know, but you're also, um, able to play around in the, in the bigger, uh, markets. So, you know, it wasn't like trying to start a bakery in, in a town of 12,000 people and, and you know, you're jockeying for, uh, customers and it's the same customers and it's, it was, it was pretty nice. It was basically, you know, um, East coast, West coast and, um, uh, just shipping stuff out of their garage, right? Essentially, yeah. So, did they literally ship out of their garage in the beginning? They did, yeah. Yeah, for actually several years. So, um, yeah, so they were they were doing all their website design, manufacturing pro- production of uh, you know, sourdough starter, and um, packing and shipping out of the garage. So. Yeah, in the beginning, it was, uh, I mean, I was actually, I was living on the East Coast during this time, so I didn't witness it firsthand, but um, at the end of every day, because uh, my parents live out in the country, they would actually take all the postal packages and drive them into town (laughs) and drop them off at the post office. That's how... Yeah. <laughs> That's how small it started out. Of course. Isn't that crazy? It's there there's a company, I don't know how many hundreds of millions in sales they have here that it's um it's called Electronic Theater Controls and that was a technology company where the founder Fred decided to apply PC technology to theatrical lighting. He was the first person to do that and it literally was in his garage. So as his company has grown over the years, when they built their new corporate headquarters, and they're in theater, right? So the whole place is kind of like a theater set. And his office, the door is a garage door. That, like <laughs> you lift the garage door to get, which I thought was very clever. That is perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so they started, um, you know, on the uh, sort of, I'm not literally on the farm, but in a place outside of, of town and, um, and just steadily grew this business, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely, um, slogged it out for years, you know, yeah. uh, it was all self-funded by, um, them and, uh, a couple of the other projects that they were doing before they started Brightopia. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, no, it's, it's just been, you know, 
um, it's been steady growth the entire time, and mm -hmm. they just yeah they're working themselves. Yeah, pretty, awesome. pretty hard for years. Yeah, so so let's fast forward to before COVID. Um, how 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 much had you grown? Like like along the way, you had a you moved off your um, you know personal property, and you had a manufacturing facility and shipping, right? Correct. Before yeah. COVID. Right before COVID, so I think it was about um, when, when did I get it? Uh, my wife and I and, and my um, son moved uh, back to Iowa. I grew up in in Fairfield, mm -hmm. uh, but moved away, and um, so we actually moved. I think it was uh, twelve or thirteen, um, and at that point, uh, Britopia was in. Uh, they were renting space in a building in town. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it was maybe thousand, 1200 square feet. Um, mm -hmm. at the time they had, uh, one full-time employee and I think two seasonal employees. And, um, so they, yeah, they did all the manufacturing, all the, uh, um, uh, again, website design and, uh, packing and shipping. Um, and then, uh, I, and your products, like at that point, what were your products? Yeah, um, yeah, great question. So, um, with home baking, and, and let's specifically uh, bread baking, you know, you need a couple of different things. You need uh, you need flour, you need water, you need salt, and uh, you need uh, leavening, which could either be instant yeast, dry yeast, or uh, sourdough. And so. Um, since we didn't want to ship water or salt, uh, we, we sold uh, flour and we sold uh, sourdough starter. And so when you have those, four, those, those two ingredients, um, those are manufactured on a daily basis. And then uh, we, what you need is uh, products or equipment to um, uh, proof your bread or let it, let it rise. And uh, that's usually like a... Um, rattan uh, proofing basket and then you need um, to get a nice rise and crust um, we we have these um, uh, cloche bakers so they're essentially a, a clay baker that you you put in your oven you heat up and then uh, when your dough is is, is ready you uh, take the top off the clay baker and you put your dough in put your top back on and what the the clay baker does is it um, allows the uh, steam that's escaping the dough to uh, help it rise uh, and also um, form a nice uh, crispy crust to the outside. And so um, Eric and, and my mom had sourced out um, from various companies across the, uh, all over the world these different products that would, um, you know, you could bake nice artisan bread at home. And so... Um, in the beginning, it was it was very small amount of, amount of manufacturing, and that was um, sourdough, uh, flour, and um, these uh, the linen proofing uh, cloths that uh, are called kushas. And what that those are for um, breads like baguettes, where you have long, uh, skinny baguettes, and you, mm -hmm. you use a cloth instead of putting it into a, a hard basket. So the uh, kushas were uh, sewn in the 
facility. They were manufactured there as well. <laughs> and then, uh, and there's also uh, bread lom was one of the first things that uh, uh, we had designed and then sourced uh, a, a manufacturer in the States. Uh, and a lom is essentially a scoring tool. So before you, when you put your bread in the clay baker in the oven, uh, you want to score the top of it so that the um, uh, it, it breaks in a, in a nice line or a nice design and it allows that uh, extra uh, steam to escape. So. so that was the product line in the beginning. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and then there was a couple of, you know, scales and um, scales, thermometers, uh, you know, um, jars mason jar or not mason jars but yeah mason jars that you know you would you would house your sourdough starter in mm -hmm. and uh danish dough whisks which are just easy uh or make it a lot easier to um mix uh, dough from flour and water right right okay so and and the were you just selling wheat flour at the time it was yeah it was just wheat flour and rye and rye and were you milling it <clears throat> for the customer at the time? Yes. Yeah, okay. it was, um, it was, it was on-demand milling, um, mm -hmm. con considering we had probably, oh, I don't know, we maybe milled five, 10 pounds a day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was very, very, very small in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and were you always, it, was it all organic? Yes, absolutely. All, yeah. all organic. All organic at the yeah, time. It, yeah. And it's, it's, Getting into conventional um, grains is is and and that with organic, it just uh, it seemed to like too much of a of a hassle. So mm -hmm. they just stuck with okay, it's organic, it comes from we we know where it's coming from and we know what's in it, and uh, mm -hmm. you know it kind of follows, follows the um, uh, not ethos, but uh, it kind of follows the um, mission of Breadtopia in that it, you know it's natural it's healthy it's but it tastes great mm -hmm. and so you know with organic especially with grains um that was the that was really the only option right right okay so that's where you were and you're in a thousand twelve hundred square foot facility um you came back and then what happened yeah so i i came back and um we also uh, joined, uh, well, partnered with a uh, website uh, designer, and you know, but he's more than just that. I mean, he's uh, he's he's IT. He's every yeah. You know. So mm -hmm. we we myself, which uh, you know, my background is in photography. So um, there was a lot of product shots to be uh, to be redone for mm -hmm. the website to make it more enticing. And then having a uh, secure, uh, functioning website. Um, at that point, uh, we grew steadily. I mean, it was I mean, actually it was it was pretty much from that point on. It was um, it was no longer that mom and pop operation. It was the you know um, okay, we're starting to become a real business. You know, right. in so, so many respects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then this takes us probably to um, the first time I met you, which you were talking about needing a new facility because you 
outgrown your facility. Yeah, we um, actually it was a well a couple a couple years before um, we met the uh, the small building that we're in the twelve hundred square foot building. We were outgrowing that as well, so we we um, took on uh, I think two two or three more employees, and uh, you know we in order to get enough um, inventory for the busy seasons. We actually rented out storage space, you know, um, a few blocks away in this other building. So we actually, we hit a, a, you know, hit that growth spurt and then we decided, okay, we need to get out of the, this facility. And we found another facility of, you know, around 5,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. And this also was, it had, um, you know, proper uh, 16-foot ceilings um, or 16-foot ceiling that, we could have we could upgrade our milling operation as well, and right. so that's at that point um, around five thousand square feet. I think that was sixteen, seventeen, um, and then and then you and I met. Uh, I think it was eighteen, mm-hmm. and um, and so we had grown to the point of uh, that we were out, outgrowing this the the new five thousand square foot space, right. Right. Isn't that crazy about space? Like you look at it and think, wow, 1200, I'm going to go to five. I, that's like so much space. We'll never use all that space. And then you get in there and it's like two years later, it's full. <laughs> it's it, crazy. It, it did. It happened quick. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and actually we, we started with 5,000 and we kept, actually, no, I think we started with 3000 in that facility and we kept, you know, um, running out more space and we knocked down walls and, you know, it's just, it just kept growing. And, right. uh, and then we hit the, the limit for our, that, that they would let us, uh, rent, uh, which is about, you know, 5,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. And so then, uh, then in the warehouse, I had to go vertical. So we went vertical with, you know, pallet shelving and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but we didn't have enough room to actually have a forklift to, oh boy, yeah lift pallets onto it. So it, you know, if OSHA's listening, um, please don't, <laughs> but you know, it was, you know, basically myself and, a, and another employee were lifting the boxes up to yeah, 15 feet on a pallet, you know, on a ladder. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> it was definitely my, um, uh, uh, motivation to get out of there into a new facility right. at that point. Yeah. Was, it was getting to the point of dangerous. Yeah. And, and did you, you had expanded your product line by then too, right? We did. Yeah. So we, when we were in the, um, we were in the older facility, I think we had maybe, uh, maybe a hundred different, uh, products. And, uh, I think it was about five different grains and flowers. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to the new facility and, um, I actually, I actually sort of, uh, focused on the, on the grain and flour side of the, of the business. Um, I mean, along with other stuff, but that was really kind of where I was finding my, uh, uh, my job title was going that direction. So, uh, we went, yeah, we expanded to, um, uh, 30 different grains and, no, sorry, sorry, 20 different grains and, um, and 30 different flours. And, um, and then our non-consumables went from, 
like I said, 100 to, I think we're about 350 at that point. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And were you warehousing everything, like all of those products, or did you do some drop shipping along the yeah, way? Yeah, we, we warehoused uh, most of the uh, products, I'd say probably mm -hmm. about 90%. What we didn't, um, what we didn't uh, store and we did drop ship were uh, grain mills, which are heavy. Right. And, um, and we also didn't have the, uh, we weren't the importer of those mm. grain mills into the, into the States. And so we would, you know, we'd take the orders, but we would definitely drop ship them. Yeah. Um, which made things complicated because, you know, you're spending money on drop shipping and, you know, someone's going to order grain with a um, uh, home mill. And so now you're, you're shipping out the grain, you know, on a completely separate, uh, uh, box. And then, so you're paying shipping, double shipping. So, you know, it wasn't super efficient, at that point. Um, right, right. Yeah, and there's some other, like, uh, mixers and equipment that, uh, uh, higher ticket items that we didn't want to house any inventory. Right, right. So that that helps with your working capital requirements because you buy some unusual <laughs> grains, and I'm assuming you have to buy them at harvest time. Um, most of them are bought at harvest time. Um, we've We were pretty... We were very small, so like we would be able to, you know, uh, work with a m much smaller farmer uh, operations, and uh, they would they would essentially store two or three totes of grain um, for us, mm, mm -hmm. and and then we would only get one tote of grain into our facility, and we can manage that because we just, you know, we didn't have the floor space, so right. it was a lot of. Um, uh, a logistical, yeah. uh, it was a logistical nightmare. I mean, the, to Sounds time like it right. It. Yeah. To, it was, it was just a mess. Yeah. But. Yeah. And, and you have to mill different grains. It means you got to, you know, keep things separate and clean the equipment in between. And yeah, there's a lot. So yeah. Yeah. And we were, and we're milling, you know, fresh to order. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, let's say you get an order for, you know, 20 pounds of, of, flour in the morning and then you have to do a, a changeover to a to another flour it's like you know right the, you know we were yeah i would say we were probably losing money on every deal you know mm -hmm. <laughs> for a while there yeah for a while yeah yep. and then we then we got kind of we got smarter about like um milling schedules and uh uh discontinuing some of the you know not not performing well flowers that, you mm -hmm. know, and so that would, that would help out mm -hmm. a bunch. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, um, so what other kind of grains did you add? Um, we went, we, so when we started out, we had a lot of, uh, conventional grains, they were organic, but they were still conventional. Um, mm -hmm. you know, your, your hard red, your hard white, soft white, um, your rye and, um, you know, as we kind of looked into it uh, more, we were very, um, the uh, health reasonings behind a lot of the ancient grains, you know, being, you know, having a small amount of chromosomes, it's, it's, you know, it's not um, uh, hybridized, it hasn't been, you know, cultivated for, you know, you know uh, yield and, and 
so it was it, the the ancient grains and the heirloom uh, wheats uh, were really compelling to us, mm -hmm. and so we started going. You know, we we started finding sources for einkorn, uh, amur, uh, red fife, turkey red, spelt, and um, you know those those caught on. You know, as far as the you know more articles were coming out about the health benefits for ancient grains. Um, you know, in jovial, you know took the lead on, on, on mm -hmm. einkorn, you know, and, uh, and so there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, really good, uh, data coming out about that. And, and also it's, you know, it comes down to, to, to flavor and, um, performance. So, you know, we would you'd take an ancient grain that has, you know, uh, a lot more, uh, nuanced flavors and, uh, you know, you mix it with a bread flour. And so you, you have the, the taste, you have the, um, but you have the performance of the of the bread flour, mm -hmm. and um, and the health benefits mm -hmm. of the ancient grains as well, and of, and of course everything sourdough is right. Is and you um, have the videos and thing and recipes and things for like how you're going to bake with emmer, right? That's part of your value proposition. Yeah. So. Yeah, when we when we all kind of sat down, and the you know the brain trust sat down, and when we started looking at okay, you know, um, our grain and flour sales are, are are you know doing okay, but um, you know how could we how could we really um, boost sales? And um, you know we just basically looked at what boost boosted sales in the past and of of the non consumables, and that was you know those videos, it was tutorials, it was um, uh, comparison videos like the, the different grain mills and, and how they perform. Um, and so, you know, we're thinking, well, okay, let's, let's start developing recipes around the grain and flour that we sell and, um, and, and essentially show people that, you know, a whole wheat loaf of bread is actually, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a brick. It can be, <laughs> it can taste <laughs> yeah. amazing and it can look amazing. And that, you know, so we really, we really kind of, um, tried to, you know, uh, develop as many recipes around, um, our flour and, and mm -hmm. grain. Right. To help, to help consumers. So, now we're in a place where how many employees did you have before this last move and before COVID? So we, we moved, um, well, I guess, so yeah, it was 18 that, um, that we met up and, uh, I yeah. showed you plans to build an 8,000 yeah. square foot facility. Seemed like, which at that time, again. you know, was <laughs> like, seemed amazing. And so, you know, I remember you telling me like, yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, I, I don't know if, I don't think you use the word, you know, that's cute, but you know, you, you're basically like, oh yeah, that's, that's great. And you might want to think about, um, you might want to think about a little bit more space. And, um, so I, you know, I was like, okay, well, uh, let's design some plans for an 11, 11,000 square foot building. And, uh, you know, and so we got, we went, we got some cost estimates, uh, building a brand new facility and, you know, we'd have to have sprinklers put in and, you know, it's going to be, and we you know, obviously have to buy land. Um, you know, and so we're looking at like, you know, $1.1 million for 11,000 square right. feet, which, you know, building new, it's actually not too, 
too far-fetched. So we were going back and forth about, you know, is that really worth it? Can we, is that sustainable? Is that going to, you know, crush the business um, to take on that much debt uh, and that much, um, you know, for not a large amount of extra space. Right, right. So we, we just kind of, we kind of just scrapped the idea um, and we're like, okay, we'll just have to, you know, figure out something else out. And then we, when we started looking around, um, around our town and there's, you know, it used to be, it used to have a pretty decent manufacturing. Um, uh, it was, yeah, it was a pretty decent manufacturing town. So there was a couple old buildings and, um, we just started, you know, scanning the, the, MLS and then uh, looking for um, possible fits for us. And we found a building and, you know, it looked, looked great. It was an old brick building, um, had a plenty of warehousing space. Um, and we looked into it and it was going to be about $200,000 to get a, you know, whole new HVAC system in there. And so we're like, okay, well, we can get the building for this amount and have, you know, put this much into it. Then, uh, you know, we'd, we'd still come out ahead versus building new. And, um, but, uh, that actually fell through. And so <laughs> space is an we were coming up on our thing. busy season. Yeah. I think it was, it's uh, always like this. Like it's just, yeah. I don't Isn't know it? why, but it's like, yeah, you have to, everybody goes through this. And, and when you go through it, you think, oh my God, we'll never find another space that was that good. And like, there's all this hand wringing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were we were at the point like after the the last building fell through. I think it was October of nineteen. Yeah, it was October nineteen, it or September of nineteen that that um, that last building fell through, and um, and so we're like, okay, well, we're coming up on our busy season. Oh, um, God. What if what if we just rent space and uh, or I mean, we were looking at like renting parked or having tractor trailers park in a lot <laughs> no no and buying an, uh, an exterior forklift and you know to bring into the crazy build. stuff just, right yeah yeah we, we looked at yeah. almost every option available right we actually and we even cons- we even considered like okay well what if we actually pulled sales mm-hmm. back right like what if we raised our prices which we don't necessarily we don't do we try not mm-hmm. to do um, raise our prices and um, and pull you know throttle our sales so that we can you can manage the space that we're in you know and um, then we you know you could actually you know um, we can downsize our employee base or we can try to outsource to other you know you know to Chicago as far as some order fulfillment I mean we yeah we looked at everything then it kind of I think it was yeah it was October that this other building in town it kind of just fell into our lap. A friend of a friend said, Hey, this, uh, this building is, uh, you know, they wanted way too much for it a year or so ago. And this guy's just sitting on a building and, you know, I'm I'm sure he'd be interested in reducing the price to make it make sense. And so anyway, we got into the conversation and we got the building for what we felt was reasonable for our business. And, uh, you know, considering it needed, you know, needed a whole new, it was on an old boiler system that could crap out at any time. It was on, you know, it has a, an elevator that could, you know, stop working <laughs> the day we get in. And so we had to, you know, we had to price it out properly and know what we're putting into it. And so, uh, you know, in a matter of 
couple weeks, we purchased a uh, 40,000 square foot 40,000 right, square foot building. I love it. Right, yeah. right downtown, you know, on, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it I, I will say it is, um, it, so it used to be an old, uh, the old Harper brush building, which they made, you know, um, <laughs> brushes and, and brooms and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, it actually, it was a bit of an eyesore for a long time. And, you know, it's right downtown and right, right by the railroad, railroad tracks. And, it, you know, it, it's got that, uh, uh, the, the brutalism architecture of the 1960s, even though it was, mm-hmm. uh, part of it was built in the eighties. So, you know, it's concrete slab and, you know, uh, fortress looking right. building. And so we're like, okay, well, let's, let's get in there. We're going to have so much space, 40,000 square foot. So let's, you know, let's just get in there and move. So we actually took our entire operation from the old building. Um, and we, in the middle of our busiest season, and it was our busiest season, uh, on, on ever in the history of the company, um, we partially moved and then we fully moved out by the first of January. And, um, so, you know, we went through our absolute busiest season ever. We moved our entire operation. That means flour, grain mills, you know, all of our inventory, all of our, um, packing and shipping, uh, tables and, you know, paper and all this, you know, everything. And, um, and then, and also had to do inventory before the end of the year. And so, so yeah, it was, it was quite an ordeal. And we were just like, wow, this is, we were, I mean, we're, we made it happen. It was incredible. And that was, you know, so that was January and we're just kind of settling in and, you know, January, February, sales are still good. And we're working out a lot of, you know, issues with, you know, how we operate within the building. Cause there's multiple levels and we didn't, still didn't have a forklift and we have an elevator that could stop working at any time, you know, so we, you know, we were dealing with some serious stuff and we, and our sales were still climbing. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, and then, and before COVID, when you say climbing, like what kind of percent increases are, were you seeing before COVID? Yeah. I mean, so when we, when we started focusing on, um, grain and flour and, uh, focusing on, um, our core products that, that drove our sales and then building, um, recipes and, uh, you know, informational videos around those products. We were looking, you know, I, I'd say it's either, it was like 15 to 30% year on year for about five years. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 So pretty, I mean, that's not like, that's incremental growth, but it's pretty aggressive incremental growth. Let's call it that. And and you've been at this for a while, so it's not like you had a hundred thousand in sales either, right? Like you were, you know, Correct. thirty thousand is a lot of new sales when you have, you know, you know, it's seven figures or eight figures of sales. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and again, we're you know, we're also uh, what five employees at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's so, and <laughs> when the, when the owners of the company are packing orders and while on a customer service call and, and then still dealing with all this other stuff and accounting and like, you know, it, 
yeah. it, those increase in sales can, you know, they really, they really hit. Like you're, you're thankful, but you're also like, oh my gosh, how long can we take this on? Right, right. So in this, the busy time, right at when your busy season, when you moved this last time, how many employees did you have then? I, I think we were about uh, eight employees. And, you know, uh, most of our employees, you know, um, they would be technically considered um, part-time, mm-hmm. right? So they, you know, we would be like, okay, busy season, let's, can we please get 40 hours a week out of you? And some, you know, and then the problem is, you know, the, being a small town, you, you're having, you don't have um, uh, child care. And so, you know, there's a lot of juggling of, of, of kids and, Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our employees, they gave us as many hours they, as they possibly could. And still, you know, it's not, it wasn't full time all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, so we had about, um, about eight employees and that included, you know, my mom and, mm-hmm. and, and Eric and myself and my wife and, and, uh, <laughs> right. um, so yeah, it was, and it's a very family, family mm-hmm. business in that respect. Yeah. All right, cool. So then March came. So we were doing, like, we were doing great. We were getting our systems in place. We were getting our uh, uh, new organic certification for the, the grain mill. And um, and everything was kind of moving at a nice pace. Uh, and then March 13th hit. And, um, and we went from, you know, uh, averaging, I don't know, 125 orders a day, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good amount for us. And to, um, I think that first, you know, March 13th was somewhere around 600 orders. And then the 14th was, 700 orders and then the 15th was 500 so we in a one week time took in you know uh 10 to 15 times what we would normally take in wow as far as orders wow yeah and it's it started getting like scary because you know we've we have all these you know um uh customers that, you know, reoccurring, uh, yeah, we have all these customers that have been loyal to us for so long. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we have this, you know, influx of new customers. And so we're trying to, to manage the expectations of the customers, um, by getting orders shipped out in a, in a relatively timely manner. But, you know, everybody wanted flour and grain cause they couldn't find it elsewhere. And right. so, so we, we were scrambling and we had to find, you know, other, uh, employees and then train them within, uh, you know, a couple days, uh, to get them up to speed. And then, so we went from, you know, eight employees to 30 employees in, in basically a two week period. Oh my goodness. And, uh, and then I was actually, I had to work from remotely because, you know, my wife was uh, was pregnant, so 
just to, so we were safe. So I was working remotely, um, and then everyone else was in the office and packing orders and milling flour and grain, you know, getting grain out the door. And, um, and yeah, we didn't, I mean, <laughs> we didn't sort of relax until about June. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did your business go back to where it was or did it, it sort of, you know, what happened? Did it plateau in June and, or did it, you know, regress back to where it was or what happened? Yeah. So the reason I say June is, um, because we, we found, uh, all the right people for our employees and we Mm -hmm. found, um, incredible, um, you know, incredibly smart and, and willing to really work hard, um, employees. And so once we had the system, uh, these systems in place, which, you know, I was still, still working on in March or sorry, working on in February. Right. So once we had the systems in place and everyone knew their jobs Mm -hmm. and, um, and the sales were not, spiking at, you know, six, 700 orders a day. It was more like 300 orders a day, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's when we were able to kind of catch our breath and be like, okay, we know what we're doing and, um, we're getting our orders out on time. And then, and we also hired, you know, customer service too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cause my, my wife was, was running customer service and, um, obviously you know, she was training someone, um, you know, in when she was eight months pregnant to replace her. And, and then, um, that person didn't work out because it was just, you know, so overwhelming the amount of, uh, orders and questions, uh, you know, baking related and, and where's my order. Right. Right. Um, how do I keep a sourdough starter? All this stuff that we, you know, no one had time for. Um, you know, but we, we found a, uh, customer service person. Um, and she's, she's been amazing. And then, um, we've also, uh, outsourced our, uh, baking questions to our, um, uh, recipe developer who's been doing a lot of our recipes in the, uh, last couple of years. And she also took over the social media where I was doing a lot of the social media. So I, you know, well, myself and, and, and Eric, uh, we're doing the social media. And then, so, you know, we were able to kind of relieve a lot of the jobs that we were doing before this happened mm-hmm. onto an actual employee. Cause we could, at this point, because of our sales, we could actually pay someone to do these jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so your, your sales peaked, um, like when COVID hit, right. And wh- so why was it that you could find grain and we could go to the grocery store and not buy flour, not be able to buy flour? Yeah. So, um, it was, you know, honestly, it was just luck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was luck because we, we developed relationships with uh, a lot of these smaller farmers right. and, um, it, you know, it was, it was a matter of, uh, I'd, prepped or I, I, sorry, I purchased a fair amount of grain, um, before our busy season. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and our, and it's actually interesting for our grain and flour. Our busy season is not, I mean, it's, yes, we sell some in November and December, but it's really the January, February, March 
when uh, our grain and flour uh, sales really come in. Oh, so, that's interesting because people are just home because it's cold out and they're baking. Yeah, it, our, our, our seasons are based around when people can go in and or can, can comfortably uh, turn on their ovens at home. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they fire them up September, October. Um, but a lot of people, they, you know, they get their holiday gifts and it's usually, you know, like a clay baker or a, uh, uh, you know, the, the equipment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they get through the holiday season and you know, so they're, now they're in this mode of like, okay, hunkering down. I just, you know, I just, <laughs> I just want to, uh, do something tangible and, 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 you know, heartwarming as far as like, you know, being in the middle of winter, um, and, and, you know, and, and do some, and, and bake some comfort, uh, foods. So mm-hmm. what they do is in January, February and March that, you know, they, they just, they bake and they bake and they bake. And so I prepared for that season. Right. And, um, so we had a pretty decent backstock and then, uh, and then some of our, uh, farmer relationships came through, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they were essentially, uh, you know, we were almost their only, um, client or right. their customers. So, you know, they were hoping that, you know, by June they can sell us some more grain, but, you know, I'm just, so we, we made connections and we, they give us everything you can get, give us. And, um, and then, uh, uh, we were able to, you know, turn that around and, uh, package it up and then ship it out. Awesome. So, um, so you, you peaked at 30 employees and so now, now where are you? Like what happened with the holidays season? So, yeah, so we had a, you know, our, our, our typical, uh, dip in sales during summertime. Yeah. Um, it was still good because, well, we, had partnered with a, a home grain mill company um, from Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, they, you know, uh, the COVID sales on home grain mills, so you can make your own flour at home. Right. Um, we sold out within uh, a week and a half <laughs> all of our inventory, and that, right. that inventory was supposed to last us at least two months, and so. Right. What happened was, you know, they couldn't make the mills fast enough. They also had issues with um, uh, uh, shipping um, on the, uh, the, the dock space. Sorry. They had mm-hmm. uh, shipping um, container uh, issues getting out of the port in, uh, right. in Hamburg. And, um, and then, of course, there was some earlier, uh, you know, um, electronics coming in from, I believe, Singapore that, you know, because of this, you know, the lockdown or right. early on in, in the, uh, in the East, they couldn't get the parts. So what happened was we sold all of our inventory and they're making them super fast as, as fast as they can. And then, um, you know, we wouldn't get our next shipment until, um, May. And we done, we, we had done pre-sales of those mills so by the time our May shipment came in, 
those all those mills had already been sold. Hmm. And so we it took us until about uh, October to catch up on our, all of our grain sales, or sorry, all of our um, uh, mill sales. Wow. And so, so we were we were definitely battling these these spikes here and there based on on the grain mills. Um, and then once we got caught up with that, things kind of settled in, and we had you know um, uh, quadruple quadruple our sales from uh, nineteen during the holiday season. But you know because we had employed you know all these new people and um, our systems were in place, it actually went relatively smooth, even though it was you know. Isn't that three to four amazing? times sales? Four hundred yeah. times. It's it, that is just an astounding amount of growth to have to have occur, right? Like it, when you're not a startup, right? It's just crazy, crazy growth. It it, it was, and it and it is, and, and you know, we're so thankful for it. And mm-hmm. it's just been a, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Amazing. So you still have thirty employees? Is that kind of where you've leveled off, or? Well, I think we're. I think I want to say we're down to about twenty-five. Um, okay. Uh, some employees uh, actually they wanted to do uh, some other work. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, uh, another employee I just found out today is going for his master's program, so he he's he's out. And mm-hmm. anyway, but um, so there's a little bit of fluctuation, but for the most part, you know, we're trying to make sure that all of these you know core employees you know are happy with where they are yeah you know and so you know we're trying our very best to you know pay them what they're worth and Mm -hmm. um you know and give them incentives to 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 Mm -hmm. stay around and because you know it's you know the the growth is not stopping i mean we're coming out of you know or or um because of covid you know all of these new people found us yeah and uh, you know early on our, our you know one of the things we were just you know desperately trying to make sure that we you know met these people's expectations and you know so they will co- keep coming back because mm-hmm. you know that's the only way we can hold on to 30 employees that's right. the only way we can have right. continuous growth and so yeah. yeah so we were you know we were trying to satisfy the um the the new the new customers and keeping the old ones and um but you know now that flour and grain can be found at your you know local grocery store again that the sales you know uh, have not the the growth in flour and grain sales hasn't um been equal to the growth of the of 18 and 19 the difference right. between 18 and 19. Right, yeah. right, right. No, I and, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens, you know, when COVID's over, people are going to bake. But, you know, it's not, here we sit in um, in January, and it's not, you know, those of us, people like me who've been in food forever are like, why would the vaccine roll out? We can't do cold chain distribution for food why do we think this is going to work really smoothly for vaccines right <laughs> and so like 
here we are and it's it's slower and there's new variants and all this stuff. So, you know, we're going to be, we could be baking at home for a while here, Galen, <laughs> the way uh, it looks. It, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, uh, we're, we're, it shouldn't slow up at all. Um, and yeah, we're just hoping that, you know, we can probably sort of, you know, get out and about, uh, you know, yeah. summer, late summer. But, uh, no, it's, it's true. People are going to be at home and they're going to bake. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, we'll, we'll be fine. I mean, the, the other side of it is, you know, we, we've got, you know, we have this 40,000 square foot building. And right. So now how we, much of that building are you using? So when we first moved in and we spread Breadtopia out into all the space that Breadtopia needed, um, it was about 10,000 square feet that mm-hmm. it needed. Yeah. And so we had all this extra space and, you know, I was projecting out that we would, it would probably be, I mean, hopefully maybe by, you know, you know, three years we can fill all this space with Breadtopia. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be fantastic. So, you know, so I was given us three years. And um, so what we did was we made plans for, um, well, we actually had had plans for this for a long time is to have, you know, a, uh, a destination spot. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, when we were in our old facility, our old warehouse, we would actually have, um, you know, uh, loyal customers drive from, I mean, we, we had customers drive from, from Texas right. to come to Breadtopia to be a crazy? part of Breadtopia. You know, and, you know, to pull back the veil, it was a, we were a warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> right. We were an online retail store, right. a warehouse, and, you know, everyone's as casually dressed as possible. And, you know, it's not great climate control. And, you know, because it's, and so, and, you know, it, you, you got stuff stacked to the roof. And so it, it kind of bothered us in the beginning or when we were there and, and these, and all these people were just, were, were driving to our, our facility. And, you know, we kind of just are, you know, sh- kind of sheepish and like, you know, we're really just kind of apologetic and falling all, all over ourselves and, and being, you know, say, yeah, it's, you know, we're a warehouse and, but you know, yeah, here's, here's Eric, you recognize him from the videos and then <laughs> like, Oh, it's Eric. So, yeah. 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 So, you know, we were, we were trying our best, but it was still, it was still like, um, uh, it was, it was a shock to them to, for, <laughs> cause you know, our website, our website's nice and we have all these pretty pictures and, and great videos and, you know, all this amazing looking bread and, you know, they, you know, the people would come in and ask, you guys sell bread? And like, Nope. No, nope. we don't sell bread, right? We could. We, we could came from get... Texas to buy your bread, and you don't <laughs> sell it. <laughs> yeah, and and so um, about yeah about three or four years ago, we started thinking about okay, how how can we how could we make this a uh, like a, a, a reality Breadtopia, right? So we started planning out um, planning out. Um, a bakery. We planned out a education facility, um, and uh, you know, just a place where people can 
can gather and hear lectures from, you know, farmers or from, you know, uh, famous food historians or uh, famous bakers and, um, and make that, uh, what we are online, a, a physical reality. And so when we finally got our building, we looked at, okay, so what, you know, what, we, what do we want to, what do we want to do? And um, so, you know, the first thing was, you know, uh, people always asked, well, do you, do you have a retail store? And we're like, no, but you can go look on our shelves and we'll help unpack, you know, <laughs> take the plastic off the, the, the tote or, you know. Uh, so, so the first thing was retail store. And um, second thing was uh, education, um, a hands-on uh, uh, bake with an instructor um, education facility that would uh, that would double as a um, audio video studio. So we could do mm-hmm. uh, simulcasting. We can do um, you know uh, more videos. Uh, for you know, for whoever we we bring in um, to as instructors, and then um, and then a bakery, um, and for a while we were looking at uh, a pasta, a dried pasta line, and so um, you know, again we we thought, okay, we'll start, we'll plan this out, and we this is what we would like to do, and we'll probably have enough, you know, uh, money to to do this, you know, in two to three to four years. And, uh, so, you know, we looked at it and then, you know, uh, again, COVID hit and all of a sudden we found ourselves with, you know, enough money to start, you know, okay, let's rip out some walls. Let's, um, you know, put in a second, uh, sifter for the grain mill. Let's put in, uh, rentable commercial kitchens for other food manufacturers in town, which, you know, are, there's some really amazing, um, food manufacturers in our, in our small town. They just don't have the, the facility. They don't have the loading dock. They don't have, um, the, uh, you know, um, retail outlets that we could provide. So, so we started building out kitchens, um, so we can bring in more rent so we can pay the bills and, uh, and, uh, with the funds from uh, the increase in sales, we're able to um, build out six commercial kitchens and uh, start on an education facility or an education room and, uh, and then a bakery. And so right now we are, uh, I don't know, we're, I think <laughs> every day is a new day, but I would say we're probably a couple weeks off from, open in our bakery and that's um, amazing yeah and then um, we've um, there's a uh, company that uh, makes uh, fresh croissants and pastries uh, renting one of the kitchens out um, it makes some amazing stuff and uh, and it uses our flour so hey that's great right. um, and then um, we found this uh, this woman who makes um, handmade uh, tacos Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's been selling tacos out of our um, uh, what will be our cafe space when it opens up, 
and uh, so she's she's doing amazing time. So, and you know, and then uh, a couple other kitchens are rented out to other manufacturers, and um, it, you know, it's just it's a construction site, but it's also <laughs> all of our all of our dreams starting to come to to fruition. Isn't that something? Um, and and that building is multi-story, right? You said there's an elevator. So is all of this on one floor or like, are you now up in the upper reaches of the building with all of this? So, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's three floors. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, the, the top floor, which is mm-hmm. technically the second floor, um, is part of the old building that was there built in the 1900s. And, uh, that's going to be uh, where our offices move to. Got it. Um, but um, Brightopia is on the on the first floor, ground level, mm-hmm. um, for packing and shipping. And then we also have a packing and shipping on the basement level and our most of our storage on the basement level. Mm-hmm. And then the the commercial kitchens, the bakery, the eventually the cafe space and the education facility are all on the first floor as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, there's a, you know, it's, um, you're going to fill that place up. No, it's already full. No, it's already 40,000 square feet. No, it's full. It's already full. I mean, I, I currently don't have an office oh, in the no. building and my, and my parents share an office in the building. So, oh, no, yeah, so it's it's already full, <laughs> and um, you know because of the bakery is getting built out, and the uh, the other the, the tacos and the um, pastries are being produced, we're needing to um, get our uh, pos pos and um, you know uh, our point of sale and our yeah. uh, uh, pickup of the food. Uh, mm-hmm. built yeah. out enough. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm giving, I'm trying to give ourselves like, uh, you know, maybe the cafe is going to be, uh, the, sorry, the, the seating cafe area will be built out by fall. Right. Let's hope. Right. 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 Um, but at least right now, if we get our, you know, our counter pickup and our, uh, point of sale hooked up, then it, at least people can, Come in or order online mm-hmm. and pick up tacos and cr- yeah. croissants and uh, bread and our sandwiches and right and then you know we'll do pizza nights and we're looking at possibly doing a delivery service you know for right. that as well right. but uh, no I mean the space is already completely used up and we've <laughs> we actually have two um, uh, separate buildings on our property one of them is is like uh it's just storage it's like there's no installation on the walls it's a metal roof but the other one is um it's actually where they used to do the uh the painting of the brooms and brushes and that is to we have um, a professional maker space makers space in that uh, building where you know people can come in and and rent you know um plasma cutter oh uh, i see yeah yeah Right. The, and that's going on in there now already. That's already yeah. That so that's that building's all full uh, <laughs> as well. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. I mean, it, it it's um it's it's a it's a beehive of uh, activity 
going on. You know, on and what is so incredible to me is that all of this happened during COVID, right? Like, and, and it's so, it's COVID has been so um, detrimental to so many food businesses. Um, it is, you are just like the complete opposite story, right? Of how you happen to be in this category that has exploded during COVID. But it's more than that. You guys have been, you know, positioning yourselves in a way for this for a long time, right? Like getting systems in place and things. And you guys are really good at selling online. I mean, um, Right. To have the level of sales you have and be 100 percent online. I don't think I know another food brand that is operates at the scale you do at 100 percent online. You're good yeah. at it. You, you, yeah, we I mean, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're we're good at it. But I mean, a lot of it's luck. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's for the last God, however many 14 years, you know, there's been a lot of trial and error. Yeah, and, I get um, it. Um, you know, it's we, like luck. You have to you work. I don't know. Maybe this is the Midwestern attitude about this, but you ha- you know you toil away so that you're there when the luck comes. You know, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, we we we've been we've had a pretty steady uh, approach to online mm-hmm. sales. Yeah, and uh, you know, we, by you know giving free information away. And creating a loyalty, um, you know, and, and building a community within, uh, you know, a virtual space, it, it's a, it's given us that, you know, that structure, that that foundation, that, um, yeah, that has allowed us to kind of to be uh, pretty adaptable, actually. Um, yeah. But uh, but but still, you know, hold true to our. True to our values and, and, and you know, yeah. just, just and going you, after it. But, and do you yeah. sell on Amazon or is it all on your own website? We do. Yeah, we've, we've done Amazon sales. Uh, I, th- I think it was very early on, mm-hmm. the Amazon sales. Um, it, you know, it, 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 early on it was about, I, I want to say it was around 20 to 30% of our overall sales mm-hmm. was through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, you know, um, we tried multiple different, uh, sales approaches on Amazon and, and I don't think that, um, you know, after having conversations with, uh, you know, really good Amazon seller, uh, yeah, reseller, yeah. Or, no, sorry. Mm-hmm. talking with really good Amazon sellers, mm-hmm. um, we, uh, we realized that we, we don't know what we're doing on Amazon, (laughs) but we wear so many hats that it's like, okay, well let's, you know, and, and yes, we could do, obviously we would love more sales. Um, but let's, let's keep it more within our control. Sure. And, um, so we, we took a lot of our, uh, products off Amazon because Mm -hmm. we were just competing and then, you know, that, right. And going after that race to the bottom. Um, and uh, now we do. I think it's 100% of the order fulfillment is is bu- done by us. Mm-hmm. So we'll make the sales on Amazon, but we'll actually ship out the products mm-hmm. versus shipping to Amazon. You know, right? Uh, 
into of, their warehouse. Well, into their warehouse. And, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of the stuff that we have is, is breakable. And right. uh, so we get a lot of customer complaints. And then we are, you know, uh, taking on that cost right. of uh, broken packages and shipping and, and reviews too. And so, you know, if we can just keep it in house, um, you know, it's, we're better off. Mm hmm. So what percent of your business is Amazon? Because I'm asking this because I think people, mm -hmm. when they're thinking about going online in food, they immediately think, well, I'm going to sell 100% on my own website. And that's so far from the truth, usually. Um, that I, Yeah. And then there's this issue of how big Amazon is in food. So like what percent are you roughly right now? Just a guess. So Amazon for food, for consumable food we are absolutely zero percent okay we don't we were looking at doing food uh several years ago mm -hmm. the problem with that is we mill all of our flour fresh right right and uh, i believe there's a like a a 90 day um or no it's like products get shipped back if they're 30 days within the expiration date right you know? and fresh milled flour it's got an exp you know it's it's so two fast, weeks, right? You know, yeah. right. So, and then we looked at doing mixes that have you know sugar in them, so it acts as a preservative. And mm -hmm. but no, we we decided like okay, we're only going to do um, we're going to fulfill the orders, and we will uh, we'll sell starter, mm -hmm. um, dry starter. Yeah. So that means like uh, year plus uh, shelf life, mm -hmm. and um, and not not approach anything within food on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So, okay. um, but you know, as far as our non-consumable, uh, non-consumable sales, I think we're around, uh, 20% through okay. Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And then do you end up getting customers on your list because you sold through Amazon? Yeah, that was actually the, the approach early on with, mm -hmm. uh, Amazon is to, um, is to use their, um, uh, you know, enormous, um, uh, platform, uh, to, you know, to basically advertise for our, for our company. So, right. you know, you, you, yes, you sell some products and you, you make a, you know, very, very small margin on that product. But what you do is you gain a customer because they realize, Oh, you have all these other products that are not on Amazon and you have all the information and you have the customer service behind it. So yeah, early on we were looking at Amazon as a uh, essentially a uh, marketing tool and right. not necessarily as a, you know, sustainable uh, sales. Do you use their data? Like, you know, the analytics about where, you know, like where the sales were and in the country and what time of day and all that stuff that you can get from Amazon. Do you use that when you do promotions for your website? We, we did. Um, it's not as, I mean, if you're looking at 20% of our total sales, um, right, and it's not your consumable, so it's not representative, probably. It's it's not, and yeah. um, you know, so we're we're better off looking at our own website data. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that that actually gives us a better picture of what's going mm -hmm. on. We mm -hmm. we we've looked at it in the past, um, and it's been it's been helpful, but it it really it helped us to understand what um, what products actually work on Amazon, and you know, it's right, right. Yeah. It's that, which is not you know, everything. Yeah, you know, it's 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 most of the stuff we sell. It is not, mm -hmm. <laughs> is not Amazon friendly. Um, mm -hmm. So we, mm -hmm. you know, that's again why we just pulled back a lot of our, mm -hmm. our sales on it. 
Mm-hmm. So is the other 80% of your sales to your own website? Or do you use some um, other platforms? About about 75%. Um, yeah, we, we've, well, we actually, ha- we actually have two other websites that are all, you know, connected. So, um, you know, we, we took on mockmill.us, mm-hmm. which is the home grain mills made in Germany. Yeah. Um, so when we came, became the North American distributor for mockmill, we... Um, Remain, we kept their website going and updated it, and um, so the sales through that continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we also opened up a wholesale um, website to uh, really push. Well, actually, it was not just grain and flour, but um, you know, there's several natural stores that that buy our sourdough starters and. Um, uh, you know, bread making tools mm-hmm. and they just needed a, they needed a way to order easily and not have to ask us for a coupon code and, you know, right. rigmarole on that. So, yeah. So the, the, you know, through those three websites is, is 95%. Well, sorry, it's about 75 to 80% mm-hmm. of all our sales. Right. And then right. we have a couple real small local, um, uh, flower accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's yeah. so impressive, like to have a, a company that in in food that is at the scale you are now operating at, and that is a hundred virtually a hundred percent online, and to have that much of it be through your own website is really impressive. And and you do you. do you do promotion? Like, how do you get people? How have you grown your list? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's. <laughs> Well, I mean, like I said, we, we used Amazon's, you know, very large platform as an advertising early on. Yeah. Um, besides that, uh, we have, uh, a strong social media presence. Um, it's, it's, again, it's really easy for us to, um, to market in a way where it's, it's essentially free. I mean, the cost of our marketing is the uh, time and energy going into our uh, recipe development. Mm-hmm. Um, when we send out an email to our, our, our list, um, we always include at least one new recipe. Mm-hmm. And so we're always, you know, in our marketing, we're always trying to give something to a customer for free. Right. And... And so in that, that way, they, you generate that loyalty and that, um, that following and that re- repeat, um, you know, uh, questions and, 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 and they feel like they have a place to go. Right. Know? Right. And so, I mean, we've, we've played around a very, very small amount with, uh, Google AdWords and, um, I'm sure when we have all of our systems in place and we've designed our new website, you know, we'll, we'll go after those as, you know, a little bit more, but, mm-hmm. you know, right now we're, we're, you know, if anything, we, we, we're trying to throttle, throttle our sales and, um, you know, and just can get that continual, uh, customer base. Right. Um, instead of trying to spend all of our energy going out and, and finding those new customers. Cause you know, thinking about it, a lot of our customers are, are basically uh, word of mouth. Right. And I know this is like t- 
totally opposite of it's totally opposite (laughs) i know right exactly but there's a there's such a powerful lesson in this though because i think I, I just see people throwing money at promotions and stuff, and then they have to do that. I mean, do you get on Amazon now? Like, if you, if Breadtopia was starting now on Amazon, you would have had to, you'd be spending money on promotion on Amazon because nobody Absolutely. would find you otherwise. Right? No, no, it, it, yeah, we would just, you know, we'd be so, so down, on, so low on the list. I mean, I would say that the best thing to do for Amazon products is to have a unique product. Yeah. I mean, this is what we did early on as well, is you can't compete against, like, um, you can't compete against the, the, the big players if you have a very similar product, mm-hmm. right? But how many people have an ancient einkorn wheat flour? Right. Right? How many people have a sourdough starter? How right. many people have, you know, a, a, a bread scoring device? So, and, and when we... When we started putting on unique, um, you know, uh, like very little competitors out there type of products, um, we realized that, you know, other people were using the data that Amazon has mm-hmm. and saying, oh, well, uh, this, you know, Breadtopia is selling this amount of, you know, proofing baskets. Well, I, you know, I can go out and source those same exact proofing ba- baskets from wherever. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and then drop the price and then compete. Yeah. yeah. And so, so, you know, we had, you know, early on that we realized that we're some, some, uh, competitors, but of our unique stuff, but after the fact, after we've already showed that the sales are, are there. And, um, and so that's, uh, I mean, honestly, that's kind of why we don't, we're not putting all of our effort into selling on Amazon is because, mm-hmm. You know, well, and you, now you don't need to. I mean, to be honest, right? Like your business has hit its own flywheel online to the degree it, that you filled up a forty thousand square foot building. Like, yeah, right. It, it, you know, it, you're right. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, we we we're not dependent on 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 Amazon, mm-hmm. but if it does, you do need to have some. Uh, you do need to have a presence, otherwise. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, they're so big that you almost it delegitimizes it delegitimizes your business mm-hmm. by not being on Amazon, right? Right. And now. It, and, and you worry about like I don't know. There's a sense of relevance, right? That yeah, that you get get by being on there. Yeah. Right. So you know, if any, if anything, it's just okay. We are a presence on there. Um, of course, you know, we we love the sales, but mm-hmm. uh, you know that that fifteen to 20% that Amazon takes is, you know, (laughs) on products that are, you know, have pretty thin margins to begin with, you know, um, it's, it's not our, it's not our way we're staying in business. Right. 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 Yeah. So uh, I usually end these by asking people like what's next for the company, but I know what's, we've already talked about what's next. It's like, you guys are living in what's next. It's so (laughs) exciting. Um, yeah, my uh, my brain doesn't start doesn't stop thinking about what's next. Yeah, um, yeah. Right now, I mean, yeah, we're we're living in what what we have been planning for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's which what's great is that we are. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it's not great. What is fortunate for us is we 
have time to finally build these these projects out right before people are knocking on our door to come in right, right. we have yep. until the end of covid to mm-hmm. get all everything in line get everything you know um ready for um you know a, a good influx of of people and customers and so that is you know giving us that little bit of time with these current projects has you know we've definitely started thinking about uh, what we want to be doing um, on a on a bigger scale, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we started out only online, and now mm-hmm. we're taking that online um, uh, community and putting it into physical reality, and yeah. with a bakery and a cafe and, and all these commercial kitchens and education center. Um, but what do we do beyond that? And I and you know, for us, the figuring out how to um, have a sustainable food system mm-hmm. is, is our next direction. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have amazing, uh, connections with our, uh, farmers and, and the sourcing. Um, but a lot of them, especially recently have been hurting and it's not, it's not sustainable for our, you know, the small town that we live in surrounded by, um, uh, farms. And so right. now that we have this platform, now that we have this customer base and this following, how, how can we help make what's around us, um, sustainable and profitable so that, you know, our, you know, we don't, we are, the, we are fortunate. We want other people to be uh, fortunate as well, but you know, mm-hmm. you can't just, you know, giving money away doesn't, doesn't work. You have to build a system to, um, where everyone, you know, works at that system to, to then, uh, profit from it. So we're in talks with a couple of, uh, grain organizations and, uh, farmers to, uh, figure out how we can help local farmers, um, grow, commodities that are good for the environment, good for us, and, uh, you know, fall within the, the, the Breadtopia um, mission. And uh, what, we're, what we found out based on COVID is that organic certification is important, but it's not everything. And we have um, a lot of different customers with a lot of different um, incomes. And so if we are uh, looking at, um, conventional wheats or non-organic wheats, um, how can we go about, uh, selling this, this, this conventional wheat grown locally? How do we sell that Mm -hmm. and, um, have the customer feel uh, good about what they're eating and know that it's coming from the right place and that, you know, there wasn't, you know, chemicals added to, um, this, wheat. It's just that, you know, the organic certification is not, you know, it's not, they can't afford it because they are such a small farm and they're doing experimental, um, um, farming being that, you know, instead of corn and soy, they're doing wheat now, or they're doing amaranth or, you know, so we're, we're looking at the food source, Mm -hmm. um, in the, in the very near future. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, at, at Terra's Way, we started out with organic, but we added on um, our GBH free, and that ended up over the years becoming actually bigger than the organic side of our business for the same reasons you, you know, you brought up, and it and it has the uh, the potential to be transformative for your local farmers too, which is fantastic. That's that's what we're hoping. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So Galen, I, I am so impressed by what you and your family have done with your business. It's just such an exciting, it's an exciting time for you. And I'm so glad you could join us and share your story because as I said earlier, there's so many, um, there's so many companies that, that are struggling because of COVID and it's awesome to hear a story like yours where it's really propelled your company forward. Well, I mean, thanks so much for having me on and, and listening to the story. It's, it's, it's an exciting story to, to be a part of and to, and to tell others about. It's, we're, just, we're very fortunate, and we you know, want to share that with others. Yeah, that's awesome. And we'll be watching to see how things go with your next round of activities. I'm going to have to get to Fairfield so I can come to the bakery. You, you do, you will. Um, <laughs> I can tell you right now that the tacos are amazing and the, the I bet croissants they are. are amazing. <laughs> I bet they are. Yep. yep. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Galen. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org. Production of Audio for the Arts.